Congratulations to the Joplin Globe on the new podcast adventure. Travel Inspirations is delighted to welcome this new initiative to bring news to the four-state community. Discover your next adventure on our website, travelinspirations.travel. Hello, Globe readers. Welcome to another edition of In Case You Missed It, sponsored by Travel Inspirations. I'm Joe Hadsel, and this week, in addition to recapping the five biggest local news stories of the week, we'll speak with meteorologist Justin Titus. He's a senior forecaster in the Springfield office of the National Weather Service, and he'll tell us more about the tornadoes that moved across the area last week and how detection methods have improved over the last few years. And now, In Case You Missed It, May 5th, 2019. A string of strong thunderstorms Tuesday, including supercells and a squall line, produced reports of suspected tornadoes and prompted dozens of tornado warnings and severe thunderstorm warnings across southwest Missouri and the Missouri Ozarks. Damaging communities such as Wheaton and Miller included hundreds of uprooted trees, as well as downed power lines and destroyed outbuildings. Several homes and businesses in southwest Missouri also suffered damage. The National Weather Service station in Springfield later confirmed at least 11 tornadoes, most of which were categorized as EF1 across its coverage area from the storm system. Wards of Jasper County living in NHC Healthcare were being moved out of the nursing home after a report detailing two deaths and a series of problems there was published a week ago in The Globe. An attorney for Jasper County Public Administrator Angie Casavecchia confirmed plans to move some of her wards to other nursing homes. The attorney said he wasn't aware of any issues or problems with the care of the people Casavecchia is responsible for as the public administrator, but that the decision was made out of an abundance of caution after the Globe reported on a statement of deficiencies prepared by the Federal Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services following an inspection at the nursing home. The Missouri Department of Conservation said prairie chickens, already endangered in Missouri, have dwindled to dangerously low numbers across what prairie remains in this part of the country, despite decades of conservation efforts. A historic population at the Taborville Prairie Conservation Area in St. Clair County, just north of El Dorado Springs, is close to extirpation, or ceasing to exist in that specific area. Prairie chickens at the nearby Wakanta Prairie also have failed to create a population that is self-sustaining, conservationists said. Prairie chickens need well-managed grazing lands, vast areas of open and contiguous land that isn't cut by trees or power lines. Missouri's landscape looks less and less like that, and the prairie chicken suffers as a result, conservationists said. Atwood's Ranch and Home celebrated the completion of its new Web City store with a grand opening at the location on Southeast Road near Highway 171. The 68,000-square-foot store was constructed over the past year, estimated at almost $3 million. The company operated at its former location, 1899 South Madison Avenue, for more than a decade. The South Madison store is now closed. And finally this week, the Quapaw Nation in Oklahoma submitted its first application for a casino license in Arkansas. Voters approved a constitutional amendment in November that legalized casinos in four Arkansas counties. Several months ago, Quapaw Nation officials announced that they want to build the Saracen Casino Resort in Pine Bluff, which is an estimated $240 million project. The tribe owns and operates Downstream Casino in a resort located in the northeast corner of Oklahoma. We'll be right back with Justin Titus. 
Travel Inspirations is a full-service travel agency in the four states with over 20 years of experience in planning group tours, company incentives, and leisure cruises. Joe, Nancy, and Wendy are eager to customize itineraries to make travel dreams come true. Travel Inspirations is exceeding your expectations and designing your vacation. Follow them on Facebook at Travel Inspirations Carthage or visit them online at travelinspirations.travel or call 417-526-4500. Welcome back. Joplin residents have become experts about the differences between tornado watches and warnings. Many of us still keep an eye on the sky and another on Doppler radar when our skies get a little bit cloudy thanks to the tornado of 2011. Storm detection has improved since that deadly storm, and it was used to detect a series of storms Tuesday that produced up to 11 tornadoes across southwest Missouri and the Ozarks. On Friday, we spoke to Justin Titus, a senior forecaster with the National Weather Service. He talked to us about Tuesday's tornadoes, how Doppler radar works, and how that technology has advanced for better storm detection. Hello, thanks for joining us, Justin. Uh, It's Friday morning. How's the weather over there so far? Happy to be here, Joe. Thanks for having me on. Uh, the weather over here today, we're watching some storms coming in from the west, and uh, we're going to be watching for some uh, stronger storms with that and you know, additional flooding. The ground's awfully saturated out there. Uh, yeah, the, it is over here, too. Uh, there are quite a bit of puddles uh, and still some flooding issues over in Joplin. Uh, that was quite a storm system that passed through on uh, on Tuesday, and looks like the uh, survey reports are coming in. Uh, the latest news we have is that 11 tornadoes have been confirmed to have touched down across southwest Missouri earlier this week. Yeah, so far, uh, as of this morning, Friday morning, we've confirmed 11 tornadoes. We've got two crews out in the field this uh, th- during the day today, and we're probably going to have additional crews in the field all weekend long and probably into next week, too. Um, yeah, 11 tornadoes so far, and um, we issued it was a pretty, a pretty active event for us, too. It kept us pretty busy. I can imagine. Of course, this is right at the beginning of uh, storm season for southwest Missouri. We are certainly no strangers to that. Um, What happens at this time of year over at the Weather Service? Uh, Do you guys go on a different kind of alert? Uh, How does your work routines change um, with uh, this season? Um, So we're definitely aware that this season's uh, very busy, so we staff for that, and we prepare staffing contingencies to bring extra people into the office for those busy days. Um, we get all our training done for the severe weather season well before we're expecting it to start and, uh, and make sure all our equipment's up to spec too. Good deal. And speaking of that equipment, that's what you use to detect the weather systems that are moving in. Um, I find myself constantly going to uh, weather.gov and checking the Doppler radar weather, uh, seeing where the storm systems are moving. Um, how has, uh, what kind of technology do you guys have at the service that, uh, that lay people might not know you have when it comes to detecting storms? Well, obviously, the most the, the most obvious to everybody, the most visible is the radar. That's our most powerful tool for for watching storms as they occur. There's a lot go- that goes on in the background too, with weather models um, predicting. You know, even we have these high resolution models nowadays that are even predicting where they think thunderstorms will pop up and how strong they'll be. There's still a lot of work to be done on those, but uh, it's it's made a lot of progress in the, in the recent years. Um, you, you know, talking more about the radar. Um, Definitely our most powerful tool that scans throughout the atmosphere all the way down from a couple thousand feet off the ground out near Joplin to, uh, to all the way up to, you know, 80, 90,000 feet. And so we're watching the storms closely with that. 
How far has that radar advanced over the last few years from our perspective as we watch on TV these storm systems come in? Uh, we hear meteorologists, uh, they're able to uh, detect debris balls from tornadoes that touch down. Um, tell me about how these radars have advanced over the last few years. Sure. So they've advanced quite a bit, actually. Um, a little bit about how radars work first off. So we want to get all the levels of a thunderstorm because thunderstorms um, are, it's very important to know what's going on throughout the atmosphere, not just the, the lowest part of the thunderstorm. When you're looking online, mostly what you see is um, the, the lowest elevation scan that our radar sees. So what our radar does is it points just about a half degree above flat, about a half degree above the uh, surface elevation, and it spins around and it, it sends out pings and listens for uh, any noise that comes back and it converts that over to the colors that you see on a radar display. And we can see velocity with that, so wind speed to and from the radar as well, along with numerous other things um, with some of the radar improvements since Joplin. Um, so then our radar, after doing that since 0.5, or this near-surface scan, it actually goes up, does the same thing, spins all the way around, goes up, does the same thing. Um, so this is one of the biggest changes since Joplin is we have this new program, this new technology in, in radar called supplemental, supplemental adaptive intravolume low level scans, which is, uh, of course we made it into an acronym to make it easier. It's just called sales. <laughs> and so what that does is every, uh, we used to, with our old system, the radar used to do, like I said, it would scan and then go up and then scan and then get all the way to about 20 degrees off the surface and then go back and do it all again. Well, with tornadoes, especially that really low-level information is very important to us. And so now with this new technology, it will go back uh, one, two, or as many th as three times through a scan and, and scan that near surface again. So instead of getting that data every five to six minutes, now we get it uh, as frequently as every one and a half to two minutes. Oh, wow. So that's a, that's a big change. Another change with the, the radars is... Um, this pro, uh, software called, well, it's software and hard hardware called dual polarization. Uh, we shorten that down to dual pole. It's a little okay. flashier and easier to say. <laughs> and, uh, and that's really complicated to explain. But basically we used to scan the, for the horizontal components of raindrops and uh, anything we're seeing in the atmosphere. Well, now we can scan the vertical and horizontal components of that, which mm. really to, to break it down, it helps us to further understand the structure and components of the thunderstorms the strength of the updrafts, what's in the updraft. We can, you know, we can see where hail versus rain is falling a lot more precisely and uh, in the orientation of, of droplets and, and, um, and targets in the atmosphere. And that's where you're, those debris balls you're talking about comes in because now we can see that um, instead of just seeing the reflectivity or the, the colors you normally see on the radar, we can actually see the component of horizontal targets versus vertical targets in that in that uh air so then we can start to make out what's uh what's your typical meteorological target which is round or droplet shaped versus kind of chaotic okay. or oddly shaped targets in the atmosphere which would be debris from a tornado and so that's where we can actually get a radar confirmation um, pairing up velocities showing rotation and reflectivities in the right part of the storm and those velocities in the right part of the storm compare that up to where we're seeing those signatures of actual non-meteorological targets or debris, and we can uh, we can have a pretty pretty certain sign that there's a tornado on the ground in that case. 
Okay. That's uh, It sounds like that's what leads meteorologists on TV to uh, differentiate between tornadoes that are radar detected and tornadoes that are actually on the ground. Um, are spotters still critical to this, uh, to being able to identify uh, the difference between those two types, though? Oh, spotters are absolutely critical as as much as ever. They've they, that technology has not eliminated the need for spotters. Um, that that technology really works the best with stronger tornadoes or weak tornadoes that are closer to the radar. Because the farther you get from the radar, with the curvature of the Earth, the higher your beam height is on the radar. Okay. So, uh, and we really, I mean, it, the radar still only gives us a limited set of information. See, you know, having eyes on the ground is still as important as ever. And, and we, that's why we do those spotter classes throughout the area and, and work closely with emergency management and fire departments. And, and, and that is just such valuable information. You read my mind. Being a tornado spotter takes a lot of training. It's not just the typical Ozark response to a, a storm siren. Oh, hey, let's go outside and see what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it, it, you're right. It does take a lot of training. And, uh, even it's, it's dangerous even for spotters and they have to follow the same. I mean, we encourage them to follow the same safety protocols as, as anybody else. Once that storm gets near you or you're in the path, you need to take shelter. All right. So, uh, yeah, recap for us, the basics of storm safety, uh, as we get into storm season, obviously we need to listen out for sirens as soon as we hear them get inside, get to safety. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, storm safety is very important this time of year. I think everybody, everybody understands that. Um, and that, that kind of shows with this last event. We had no fatalities that, that we've heard of. And I, I don't think we, I think we would have heard of it by now. Um, no fatalities with any of those tornadoes, um, which is pretty remarkable. Three injuries from the tornadoes. Wow. Um, so, you know, people are respecting that and, uh, you know, heeding the warnings and they're taking shelter like they've been trained to. And um, as far as taking shelter goes, people just want to take shelter on the lowest floor of their home and as, as close to the interior of the home as possible or in a storm shelter if one's available. All right. Justin, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for doing everything you do at the Weather Service as we prepare for another storm season. Yeah, our pleasure. We're here to serve, and, and that's what we love doing. And that will do it for this episode of In Case You Missed It, sponsored by Travel Inspirations. All of the stories you heard and many, many more can be found on our website, joplinglobe.com. And a great way to keep track of the highlights on our website is to follow us on our social networks. You'll find The Globe on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and Instagram. All you have to do is just add a slash Joplin Globe to the end of that social network's URL. And then follow us for breaking news, engaging features, and much, much more. Thanks for listening. I'm Joe Hadsel, and we'll see you next week. Thank you to the Joplin Globe for reviewing the four state highlights and news this week. To discover adventurous highlights around the world, find Travel Inspirations Carthage on Facebook or search our website, travelinspirations.travel. We look forward to exceeding your expectations.